the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. News. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Now, an important question that we need to ask is this, and I want you to listen closely. I don't want anyone to misunderstand this, because whenever you get into these issues, people inevitably misunderstand. So listen closely. Question is this, do all Christians produce righteous fruit in their lives? Or to put it another way, can someone be a real Christian and never produce any spiritual fruit? Is that possible? Can someone who knows Christ never grow in him? That's a valid question to ask. It it ties into the whole lordship of of Christ issue. It ties into the whole issue of repentance. Uh, it, It is a critical question to ask. That's really a good question, and it's relevant. I'm sure we've all seen people who go to church and say they're saved, yet in their interactions with other people, they don't seem any different than our unsaved friends and neighbors out in the world. To use the old terminology popular when I was young, if they were accused of being a Christian, there wouldn't be enough evidence to convict them. Does that mean they're imposters or that they fooled themselves into thinking they're saved when they're not? Jesus said that all true believers will bear spiritual fruit. We'll be looking into that very important question today on Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. And today we're resuming his third message in this series of sermons about God's provisions for our spiritual growth. If you want to follow in your Bible, our study text is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 8-11. through 11. In our last class, we saw that spiritual growth is important, because without it, we won't be useful to God. He has stuff for us to do for His kingdom and for other Christ followers, and we can't do them if we don't develop some maturity. Let's pick up the lesson at that point now. Here's Pastor Steve. Spiritual growth leads to usefulness. A lack of growth leads to uselessness. Now, that's the first word, useful. He uses another word here, unfruitful, and basically this word expresses sort of the same concept, though it is a different word, same concept of being useless. The word literally means to be without fruit, that you know, an unproductive. It's a picture of a tree that doesn't produce any fruit. Now, what kind of fruit is a Christian supposed to produce? I think that there are some who are confused about this, but let me try to simplify it for you. The Bible calls any righteous behavior and attitude that comes from us fruit. Anything that comes from us in terms of righteous behavior or attitude is fruit. In Galatians chapter 5, for example, we read about the fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is character, godly character, produced by the Spirit of God in us, and it manifests the the Spirit's character, which is really the same character as Jesus Christ. So there's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and so forth. But fruit is not only that. Do you realize that fruit is also praise? If you were singing from your heart and really praising the Lord before in these songs and choruses and and hymns, then you were producing fruit. 
because the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews 13, 5, 13, 15, that the fruit of our lips gives praise to God. That's very important. We're, and he's, he enjoys that. Winning people to Christ is also referred to as fruit. Paul referred to this in Romans chapter 1, verse 13, when he said that I have uh, had fruit, and he's talking about there, about winning people to the Lord. He said, I, I hope to bear some fruit, produce some fruit when I come to see you at Rome. So fruit is any righteous behavior or attitude that comes from a believer. It can be a host of things, not limited to one thing. So listen, according to to Peter, the reason we need to be growing and the reason God wants us to grow in him is so that we are useful to the Lord. Our lives count for eternity. We're productive. We're bearing fruit. We serve the Lord. We're active in his church. We lead fruitful lives. And he said in John 15, 8, that my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. God is glorified by that. The reason that you and I need to grow is because God is glorified by our lives, which become useful and productive as we grow. Now, an important question that we need to ask is this, and I want you to listen closely. I don't want anyone to misunderstand this because whenever you get into these issues, people inevitably misunderstand. So listen closely. Question is this, do all Christians produce righteous fruit in their lives? Or to put it another way, Can someone be a real Christian and never produce any spiritual fruit? Is that possible? Can someone who knows Christ never grow in him? That's a valid question to ask. It it ties into the whole lordship of of Christ issue. It ties into the whole issue of repentance. Uh, it, It is a critical question to ask. Well, I think Jesus dealt very clearly uh, with this uh, this question, this issue, in two specific places in the New Testament. I'd like you to turn, first of all, to Matthew chapter 7. Question is, can someone be a real Christian and never produce any spiritual fruit? In Matthew chapter 7, which we've looked at before, but it's good to come at it from another angle and refresh our minds. In Matthew chapter 7, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, beginning in verse 15, he said, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are savage wolves. They may appear on the outside to be kind and gentle, but inwardly they are, they are wolf-like. They're the false teachers who want to lead you astray. He said, you will know them by their fruits. You'll know them by their behavior, their attitude, so forth. Grapes are not gathered from bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? And watch this. Notice this, how... Um, how all-inclusive this is. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. And he just continues. This doesn't stop in verse 21. The thought continues about those who bear fruit but these people bear bad fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, in these verses, Jesus has made a contrast between believers and unbelievers. Believers are said to bear good fruit. In fact, he said in verse 17, every good tree bears good fruit. All believers bear good fruit, he said. 
and their fruit comes in the form of obedience, obedience to God's word. Unbelievers, on the other hand, bear bad fruit in the form of disobedience. He goes on to illustrate this. Regardless of what one professes to believe or their impressive religious activity, even if, if it would be prophesying or uh, something as dramatic as casting out demons or performing miracles, Jesus said they will perish. He said, depart from me. Why? Because these people bear bad fruit in the form of iniquity or lawlessness. He said, depart from me, those who practice lawlessness. They didn't just disobey once in a while. What he meant, what he meant by this is they constantly and consistently produce disobedience, regardless of their religious activity. In fact, I could just think in the Bible of, of a man like that. His name was Judas Iscariot. Judas was never a believer. Judas performed miracles, cast out demons. He was sent out by Jesus with the other apostles. He did all the things that they, that they did. He preached, he cast out demons, he performed miracles. But Judas was a man who the Bible calls the son of perdition. He went to his own place. Judas was a lost man, so close and yet so lost. So only Christians are able to produce good fruit. And the question is, why? Why is that so? Why is it that only believers, Jesus said, can produce good fruit and everybody else produces bad fruit? Well, there's a second passage of Scripture in which uh, Jesus uh, clarified this and explained it, and that's John chapter 15. It also speaks about fruit. In Matthew 7, Jesus, he didn't, he didn't explain it. He just stated it. Believers bear good fruit. Unbelievers bear bad fruit. But in John 15, he explained why that's so. I want to read to you verses 1 through 8. It's all about the vine abiding in him and bearing fruit. Jesus said in verse 1, I am the true vine. And true vine in, in contrast to Israel. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Folks, that's the issue. Apart from me, you can do nothing, you said. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, whatever you wish, it will be done for you. My father is glorified in this that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Jesus explained here that only genuine believers, those who have repented and trusted Christ for salvation, are connected to him. They are in union with him. They have a relationship with him. And it's compared as branches coming out of a vine. And as a result of being connected to, to this true vine, Jesus Christ produces true, spiritual, godly fruit through us. That's the point. That's why unbelievers, regardless of how religious or how much church affiliations they might have or what office they might hold in a church, if they're not connected to Christ, they're not going to produce fruit. That's why we're the only ones who bear good fruit, because we're in union with Christ. And I might add, it's very important, he said in verse 8, that if you bear fruit, you prove to be his disciples. Why? Because unbelievers can't bear this fruit. 
They don't bear this kind of fruit. That's why Jesus said in verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing in terms of, of spiritual values and spiritual fruit coming forth. There's no godly behavior going to come forth from you unless you're connected to the Lord. So, now follow me. This is where we're going. If Jesus taught that all true believers will produce spiritual fruit, and he certainly did, he taught that, then how do we reconcile the fact that, that Peter states that, that it is possible for these Christians to be unfruitful. Well, let's go back to Second Peter. Do you understand? Here's the issue. Jesus said all believers bear fruit. But Peter is saying in Second Peter that it is possible to be a Christian and they're not bearing fruit. Now, is that a contradiction? Absolutely not. The Bible never con- contradicts itself because it is all inspired of, of God. So how do we reconcile this? Well, Here's the answer. The answer is that Peter is referring to only a time period in their lives when they are barren and unfruitful. Only a certain time period. He is not teaching that they can be Christians and be unfruitful all of their lives. That's not what he's saying. He's only saying that if you are not growing spiritually right now, when he wrote this letter to these believers right now, if you're not growing spiritually, then you won't be bearing spiritual fruit right now right now. He's not saying that you that you can be a believer and never have fruit. He's just saying for this time period, it may be a season of carnality. It may be a season of being backslidden. If you're not bearing fruit, it's for right now, if you're a believer. Now, listen very closely so that you won't misunderstand. This does not mean that there won't be times of rebellion and disobedience in your life when your fruitfulness and usefulness to Christ will be very minimal. There are times like that. But in the big picture of your life and in the big picture of my life, if you're a Christian, the norm and the general direction of your life will be to grow spiritually. If you're a believer in Christ, there must be some fruit being produced in your life at some time. There's no such thing as someone who says, yes, I I prayed a prayer when I was eight or nine or 10 or even earlier or a little, little later, but there's never been transformation in my life. There's never been growth. There's never been any change, and and it's been years. Folks, that is an unbeliever who just prayed a prayer. That's all. That was a a person sort of in the spiritual realm who was was, uh, stillborn. There's no life there. If there's life, there's going to be growth. That does not mean, as I said, and don't, don't let this shake you up as far as your own assurance of salvation. This does not mean that uh, there won't be times of of being up and down spiritually in your life, times and seasons of of sin and carnality, and and that will prevent you from being as productive and useful and fruitful for the Lord as you'd like to be. But if you're a true Christian, you will produce spiritual fruit somewhere along the line, and hopefully it'll be a lot of it and we'll be consistent in our walk. But if you never do, then it just means that you have never been converted regardless of the talk that you have, regardless of, of outward even appearance. So as we go back to Second Peter, the apostle's point is this. If these seven virtues, seven character qualities mentioned in verses 5 through 7 are evidence in your life, right now if they're evidence in your life, then not only are you a believer in Christ, but you can have assurance Assurance that you know him because you're growing and uh, you're useful to him. You're productive for the Lord. Your life is counting for him. But what if you are not bearing fruit? What if at this time in your life, you, you really don't see these virtues being 
being manifested in your life. Well, Peter addresses a person like that in verse 9. And he's talking about a believer. In verse 9, he says, For he who lacks these qualities, these who lacks these virtues, meaning right now, if you lack them as a believer, says he's blind and short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Now, Peter describes an individual who lacks these seven character qualities as blind and in either short-sighted or near-sighted is the thought. That's a very interesting way of putting it. In fact, um, it's a strange combination of words. And I'll tell you why. Because if you're blind, how can you be nearsighted? You don't see anything if you're blind. Well, what Peter is describing is this. He's describing a believer who, due to his lack of spiritual growth, has become blind to spiritual truth because he has eyes only for the things close up, only for the things of this world. He can't see the, the, the spiritual, eternal truths of the word of God because all he's looking at is the things around him. All he's concerned about is, is his own pleasure. So yes, he's blind, but he's also nearsighted. In the physical realm, it doesn't happen like that, but in the spiritual realm, it does. He's blind to spiritual truth because his focus is on earthly things. In fact, the Greek word that's translated short-sighted or near-sighted is a word that gives us in our English vocabulary the word myopia, the condition of the eyes in which you can't see at a distance. You can only focus uh, on the things right in front of you. So what Peter is saying is an individual who has earthbound vision has spiritual myopia. Spiritual myopia. He is unable to see eternal truths because all he's looking at are the things close up. And therefore, he's, he's blind. And he's blind to the vital, eternal truths of the word of God. And the main truth that he's blinded to, Peter says, not the only truth, but this. Notice the end of verse 9. Having forgotten his purification from his former sins. In other words, his failure to grow spiritually has made him so blind that he's lost sight of the purpose for which God has saved him. Now, I don't think this means that, that this individual can't tell you about his salvation experience. Oh, yes, I remember. I don't think it means that, that uh, he, he, uh, he can't remember his salvation experience. He can probably tell you all kinds of things about it. But, he, but what, he can't, uh, what he fails here is to keep in mind and consider its significance. He's, he's lost sight of its significance, not the time frame and things like that, but he's lost sight of considering its significance. And what is the significance of salvation? It is to purify us from our former sins. Not only is it to get you to heaven, not only is it to redeem you, though that's part of it, but it is to transform us. It is to change us from, from people who love our sins to people who love the Lord and want nothing to do with sin. Listen, if you aren't growing in the Lord, then you will forget why Christ has saved you. You'll kind of move on in, in, in pagan behavior and you'll forget that he saved you to purify you. In fact, let's look at Titus chapter 2. You can find it quickly. You just turn back a few books. It's right after 2 Timothy. Titus chapter 2. And in Titus 2.14, Paul specifically tells us one of the great purposes for which we were saved. This is a great verse. He says in verse 14, speaking of, of Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed. Jesus died to, to purchase you, purchase you from, from every lawless deed. And watch this. And to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. That's, that's precisely what Peter is saying. To purify us. 
to deal with your sin, to, to make you a new person, to transform you, to change you, to get you as far away from your old sin as possible. If, if you believe that Jesus died to deliver you from your sin, then how can you continue living just like that? It doesn't make sense. But when you are out of fellowship with the Lord, you don't think like that. When you're out of fellowship with the Lord, you, you tend to forget this most basic of spiritual truths. I'll tell you, um, when I, shortly I came to faith in, in Christ as a student at the University of South Florida, God sent a young man into my life who, uh, if, if I could say anybody discipled me, he did. It wasn't a, a formal discipling process, but uh, this young man was instrumental in, in my spiritual growth, and he taught me many things, and he, he got me involved in meeting people and uh, really was helpful in my spiritual life. But there was a time in his life that he, he went far away from the Lord. And I had the privilege of talking to him and helping him, ironically, kind of get back years later, get back on track spiritually. And uh, he started asking me questions about the Bible and spiritual truth that were so basic that it was like I wasn't even talking to the same person that I remembered years ago. You see, once he got out of fellowship with the Lord, he forgot basic spiritual truth, things that he had taught me, quite frankly. But he forgot these things. He, he wasn't even sure about his salvation. He wasn't even sure exactly what is salvation. I mean, there was a, that's what Peter is saying. When you live for yourself and you're out of fellowship with the Lord, you will fail to remember even the most basic of spiritual truths. And the most basic of spiritual truths is that Christ has saved you to purify you from your sin. And why don't we see this? Because our sight is focused only on the pleasures of this world. Your nearsightedness causes you to fail to see your need to live for Christ. So why is it important that you and I grow spiritually? According to Peter, the reason is this, so that we are useful and productive in our lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. And I would hope that you want your life to count for him. I would hope that that's the greatest desire in your heart. I mean, I remember coming to Christ when I was 18 and thinking, you know what, Lord, I have for 18 years, I have done whatever I wanted to do. And, uh, and I've messed up my life. I want you to lead. I want my life to count for you. And I think that should be the desire and thought of every uh, born again person, useful, productive. You don't want at the end of your life to, to think of it that it was just wasted. That that's not what God wants, and that's not what best for you. We are to give glory to God by producing fruit. And we also want to grow so that we don't become blind to spiritual reality, so that we remember what life is all about, so we re remember that Christ has saved us so that we wouldn't live anymore for ourselves, but for him. A person who isn't growing is just put out of his mind that he's been converted to Christ, so he, he lives just like an unbeliever. And that's why it's so hard to tell some believers apart from unbelievers. But that's abnormal. That's wrong. So in the broad picture of these verses, what we have seen is two key truths so far. One is the requirement for spiritual growth is what? You tell me. You have to look at your notes, don't you? Diligence. Number two, the reason for spiritual growth is usefulness. Usefulness. Now, there's a third key truth about spiritual growth, and it's this. The result of spiritual growth is assurance of your salvation. Peter said in verse 10 that we are to be all the more diligent to make certain about God's calling and choosing us. Pastor Steve will cover that in our next lesson from 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm glad you could join us today for Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're looking for a church with a welcoming atmosphere and rock-solid Bible teaching, 
I'd like to invite you to visit Lakeside if you're in the area. Pastor Steve and the rest of the Lakeside folks would love to meet you. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. To get service times and directions, call the office at 727-441-1714 or go online to lakesidechapel.com. That's lakesidechapel.com or call 727-441-1714. That's also the number to call if you'd like to ask for a free audio CD with this entire sermon and no announcements. Ask for message 4805, Pursuing Spiritual Growth, Part 2. Or you can listen to today's broadcast as well as all of our previous programs on our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click the link to the message archive page and feel free to download or stream any files you'd like. There's also a free podcasting service so you can be sure you don't miss any future programs. If maybe the Lord is moving you to help underwrite our production and airtime costs, we try to make that easy and secure through our giving page. Or you can give by phone at the number I just mentioned, 727-441-1714. Your gifts and prayers are vital to this ministry, so thank you for your support. Our web address again is versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. Please join us for the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve shares the third important reason that spiritual growth is important. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse There's a lot going on right now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.